0: Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and we're so glad to have you with us today in the House of Faith. On the broadcast today, we're going to show you part two, the continuation of a message we began on Legacy Television last week, a message called Anointed with Fresh Oil. If you did not hear last week's message, let me invite you to get caught up with us, and you can do that very easily. Any of our ministry outlets, uh, you'll you'll be able to catch up, uh, go back to past broadcasts. Find out what the Lord's been saying. So Pearson'sministries.com, you can catch up there, Legacy Studios app. you can catch up there. We've also got a podcast, the Pearson's Ministry podcast, Legacy television podcast. Whatever you do, get the Word of God going into your life just like you're doing right now, because when the Word of God gets in you and it takes root in you, that's when it begins to make a difference in your life. Now we want to show you the continuation of this message today. That was preached originally this past summer at Faith Life Church in Branson, Missouri. We're talking about the anointing, especially what it's like to be anointed with a fresh oil. And that's what the psalmist said. And in Psalm 92, he was talking to God and he said, You've exalted my strength like that of a wild ox. I've been anointed with fresh oil. And I want you to take a moment as we get into the word together today and let the Holy Spirit paint a picture on the inside of you of what your life would look like when you've been anointed with a fresh oil, that transforming power of God on you, in you, working through you. It'll absolutely turn you into somebody else. I want you to live life with this fresh oil anointing. Watch this and be blessed. In the uh, Amplified, again, the classic, it says, it shall be in that day that the burden shall depart from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck, the yoke shall be destroyed. I like this, because of fatness. Man, I like it when these words get translated different ways and different translations. Really gives you kind of a big picture of what all was packed into that word. The yokes destroyed because of the anointing. How was it translated here? Because of fatness. I don't want to get into that too much, but suffice it to say, we all are familiar with with it in one way or another. It's just too much. That's what fatness is. It's just too much. It's just growing to the point excess, excess, excess. And watch this. He said, the yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness, which prevents it from going around your neck. You can come to the place where you have so grown in the anointing that you have increased and increased and increased that that yoke that used to fit so comfortably around your neck, Satan comes out one day and you have just outgrown that thing, completely shattered it, completely busted it. And he looks back at you and says, you broke my yoke. You broke my yoke. This is why he hates it. This is why he hates it. You know what the Young's Liter- Literal Translation says? It says, the yoke shall be destroyed because of prosperity. That's good. So this word that got translated anointing also got translated fatness, increase, and it also got translated prosperity. Now you're listening. <laughs> well, we want to hear about this, the anointing, what the anointing can do. And this is why... Satan hated the anointing that was on Jesus. Did you find Luke chapter four? Listen to verse 17. It says when Jesus was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, he he, uh, had opened the book. He found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, I want you to see this connection between the spirit of the Lord on him and the anointing on him. This is saying the same thing. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Now, whenever you see the anointing, it's always for something. It's always with an assignment. It's always to something. You never get just to, you never just get to say, I'm anointed for what? Nothing. Just to, you know, just to be greasy and oily and stand here and drip with all this fine oil. That's not what the anointing's for. It's for something. It's got purpose in it, which might need some rewiring when we see that the yoke's destroyed because of prosperity. Oftentimes we see prosperity, but we fail to see the purpose in it. We'll see that here in a moment. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord's on me because he has anointed me. Now you're going to hear what he's anointed for. What's the purpose in it? The purpose of this anointing is to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what the anointing on Jesus was and is for. So you look at it, evidently, poverty is a burden. If it wasn't a burden, if it wasn't a yoke, then why would Jesus be anointed to do something about it? But evidently, it's a burden. Poverty is a burden, poverty is a yoke, and Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. Amen? It's a burden, it's a yoke. And Jesus is anointed to deal with it. What else is a burden? He said, he sent me to, the heal, to heal the brokenhearted. A broken heart. This is more than just sad feelings. This is more than just sad emotions. A broken heart is a burden. A broken heart is a yoke. And it's one that people, for whatever reason, are willing to live with year after year after year, after year, something happened, something was said, they were treated a certain way, something went down in the family and maybe it was hurtful, maybe it was wrong. Don't misunderstand me, people are done wrong. Every single day of the world, somebody somewhere is being mistreated, treated unfairly and things are being falsely said, they're being wrongly accused. This is why the scripture is so clear, guard your heart above anything and everything else. Guard it because out of it flows life. But what happens when that guard is down and whatever came against you got to your heart, that's a broken heart. And when there's a break there, if that's allowed to stay, it turns into a burden. It turns into a yoke that limits people in their lives. It limits how far they go with God. It certainly limits how far they go with other people. But the good news is, if you have had or have one sitting in here tonight, a broken heart, Jesus, come on, are you listening? Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. He's anointed to do it. He was anointed then to do it. He's anointed today to do it. Poverty is what? It's a blessing. It's a blessing in disguise. It's a blessing if you look hard enough. What is it? It's a, it's a burden. And it's a yoke. And Jesus is anointed to lift it and destroy it. A broken heart, what is this? This well this is this is God teaching you something. Right? This is God showing you something and he's really speaking to you in this. He's speaking and if you're not listening that's your fault. But according to Jesus, a broken heart is what? It's a burden and it's a yoke. And Jesus, my Savior, your Savior, Jesus, the anointed one, Jesus and his anointing, he is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. Come on, listen to this, it gets worse. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. What else? To proclaim liberty to the captives. Being held captive by anything or to anything is a burden and it's a yoke. Captivity to anything. I don't care if it's a captivity to some sort of addiction. I don't care if it's captivity to some sort of of fear. There are people all over the world held in the prison of fear. And like we said about a broken heart, these are not just feelings. Fear is not a feeling, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. And people are held prisoner to that spirit. I laugh because just a couple of weeks ago, Sarah and I were driving out of Fort Worth. We're on our way to Russellville, Arkansas to preach in the church that she grew up in when she was a little girl. And we're driving out of town and somewhere about Atoka, Oklahoma, if you're headed out of Dallas, Fort Worth on 75 North, it turns into 69. And there in Atoka, we've driven this road, I don't know how many times before, but this particular trip just a few weeks ago, I saw a sign I'd never seen before. Just a sign on the side of the road, bright yellow sign, big black, all capital letters. And you know what it said? It said, hitchhikers may be escaping inmates. <laughs> and I thought, thank you. That's, that's great. That's great information. Just, just keep that in mind as you drive. But the sign made more sense about a quarter mile later when we're passing on the other side of the road, this huge Uh, facility, correctional facility, this prison, high fence, razor wire. Found out later this this place houses about a thousand men. This is a big prison. And the more I got to thinking about that sign, the more I got to thinking about that prison, the Lord began talking to me. He said, you know, there is a prison that holds not a thousand, not 10,000, not a hundred thousand, but millions upon millions upon millions of people all over the world. And it's the prison of fear. And they're held captive by it. You know what a prison is? It's it's restriction. Mobility is restricted. Because of walls, you've got freedom taken away. You can only go so far. And that's what's happening in people's lives because of fear. They only go so far. And there's a wall up. There's there's something that keeps them from stepping out beyond that wall. And if they're not just absolutely frozen in their tracks, then they're retreating and running away in fear. It's a prison. This is not a feeling. It's a spirit and it's a prison. But I believe I'm looking at a room full of escaping inmates tonight. How about you? I love it. I love that. That sign is burned into my mentality. Hitchhikers may be escaping inmates. But we're coming out of this thing because fear... And anything else that holds you captive is a burden. It's a yoke, but Jesus. Are you picking up on where we're headed with this tonight? Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. He was anointed to do it this day. He's anointed to do it today. What else does he say? Recovery of sight to the blind. Blindness. Sure, natural blindness, sure, we can see how that would be a burden, how that would be a yoke. Can I tell you what's worse than being naturally blind? Spiritually blind. Living in complete darkness on the inside. Not knowing where to go, how to go, what's making you trip, what's making you fall. Can't see the pitfalls, can't see the dangers. Why? Just walking around in darkness. That's spiritual blindness. And this is why Paul by the spirit of God prayed that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light. I want you to see why? Because blindness is a burden. It's a yoke, and Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You know this from Acts 10:38. Peter was preaching about Jesus, and he said how God anointed him how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. It's right up here. Look at it. With the Holy Spirit. So isn't that what we just read in Luke 4? The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? Because he's anointed me. So look, you see it again. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. This is, this is two or three ways of saying the same thing. You said anointing, you said Holy Spirit. When you said Holy Spirit, you said power. When you said power, you said anointing. He anointed... Him with the Holy Spirit with power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed. How else could you say that? What is is oppression? It's a burden. It's a yoke around your neck. It's a burden on your shoulders. And evidently, sickness in no way, shape, or form is a blessing of any kind. It's satanic oppression. And Jesus was and is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. But now listen to this last part. For God was with him. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. and with power, went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. There's another way of saying what the first word said, anointed. This is all just different ways of saying the same thing. When you said anointed, you said Holy Spirit. When you said Holy Spirit, you said power. When you said power, you said God is with you. When you said God is with you, you said anointed. Can you see this? This is the anointing that was and is on Jesus. Now, here's what's so cool. Anybody in here and probably any member of the body of Christ around the world would be quick to say Jesus was and is anointed. But the scripture is very clear about it. In 1 John 2, we may get there by the end of this time tonight. He says, you have an anointing. Isn't that what he said? You have an anointing from the Holy One. I would say it to you like this, you have an anointing from the anointed. The anointed gave you some of his anointing. So the anointing you have is the anointing of the anointed. That's why he said. You have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. You know the truth. Somebody say it out loud. I'm anointed. anointed. One of the greatest things you'll ever find out in your life on this earth is what you are anointed to. What you are anointed to. Four, what the Holy Spirit is on you to do, what God is with you to do. That's one of the greatest things any human being could ever find out. That's some of the greatest information, the greatest revelation that any one individual could ever come to realize. To have their eyes opened to any one truth, it would be this, what's the anointing on me to do? Because when you find that out, it changes things. It changes the way you live. Let me show this to you. Are you okay? You doing all right? Go back to the Old Testament and look in the book of 1 Samuel. And we'll begin in chapter 10. The Lord drew my attention to this a number of weeks ago. And I just had it come up in my heart. Look at the anointing. On Saul. You remember Saul, right? The first king of Israel. And I ended up here in 1 Samuel chapter 10. And you're going to see in his life a very crystal clear picture of what the anointing is, what the anointing can do. If you begin in verse 1, it says Samuel took a flask of oil, took a whole flask of it. They anointed people then a little differently than we do now. Or I should say a little different than we did in church when I was growing up. We did it. We anointed people, but it was that little thing that sat on the the table between the speakers' chairs and it was a, a vial maybe about that big, and we would take it, we'd put our finger in the top, and do it real quick like that. Like we're putting on cologne or something, you know what I mean? And that's how we would anoint people like that. And I guess it's just because we didn't want to make a mess. But these guys were a little different. They were not afraid of just getting somebody good and greasy. (laughs) Samuel took a flask of oil. And how many of you know a little olive oil goes a long way? It goes a long way. I've been making fun of myself a little bit lately. Sarah asked me, it's been a month or so ago, we were getting ready to head out somewhere and she's getting ready. She said, would you mind making us some salads? I thought, okay, you know me, right? Yeah, (laughs) okay, sure, I'll give it a shot. So I'm just doing what I've seen her do. And I get the lettuce out, Kim, and I get all the veggies and all the different stuff. And I'm just kind of putting it all in the bowl. And what would Sarah do? WWSD, what would Sarah do with this salad? And I'm putting everything in there. And I thought, okay, it needs some dressing. Well, Sarah puts olive oil on our dressings. It's healthy, right? So put a little bit on there. And I think, well, that just doesn't look like very much. So I'll put a little more on there. I'm thinking, this is, this looks like dry lettuce to me. I don't want to eat dry lettuce. So I end up putting so much olive oil. And I found out in the kitchen that day, a little oil goes a long way. Because when Sarah came out and it was time to eat her soggy salad, she just looked at it and kind of smirked, kind of smiled and just, you're so cute. She basically said to me and she ate her salad. But when she got done, I noticed it sitting over there by the sink and all the stuff is gone. It's just a big pile of soggy lettuce. Why? Because a little oil, somebody help me out, goes a long way. But these guys, you know what they did? They had a whole flask of this stuff and they would pour it on you until it was gone. Isn't that what the psalmist said? How good and how pleasant it is for brethren, family, to dwell together in unity. Who remembers what he said it was like? It's like the oil, he said. He said, it's like the oil on the head of Aaron that went to his beard, that went to his garment, that went down to the edge of his garment. This brother is covered up in this stuff. I want you to get the picture of this. Let the word of God paint a picture for you. Samuel took this flask of oil, poured it on his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance. And he begins explaining to him over these next several verses, what's about to happen in your life from this day forward because you're anointed. And if you skip down to verse six, listen to this. He says, then the spirit of the Lord will come on you. Is that not what Jesus just said? So here again, you see the connection, the spirit of the Lord on you and the anointing. He said, the spirit of the Lord will come on you. You will prophesy and you will be turned into another man. That is how you explain the anointing to an eight-year-old. Because they all understand Superman. They all understand that. And if you go back a couple of generations, they all understand Popeye, right? This is, this is way more spiritual than you know. Popeye, what would happen in every episode? And I mean every single one. He's just chilling with his girl, Right? What's her name? Type of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Probably not. Don't quote me on that. It could be. But there's this other guy who's really into Popeye's girl too, right? Who remembers him? Bluto? Brutus? I think there might have been a couple of them. Every episode, Brutus comes along and he's got eyes for, for olive oil. So he does what you do when you fancy a young lady kidnaps her, <laughs> ties her up with ropes and puts her on a train track, right? And Popeye's not having it, so they're going to get in a fight. But every, every single episode, Brutus... Bluto, whoever it is, is just pummeling him and just pounding him into the ground one punch after another. And poor Popeye doesn't stand a chance, right? Because Brutus is this towering seven foot, 295 pound machine of a man. And Popeye's just this little guy until, right? Until he reaches in his pocket, pulls out his can of spinach, like you do, eats the spinach and all of a sudden, help me out. He's another man. All of a sudden, he's somebody else. All of a sudden, his strength has been exalted. You thought we were straying from our point here, but we're not. Listen to me. All of a sudden he's turned into somebody else. Do you not see that this is what he said the anointing will do on your life? He's explaining to Saul, here's what's about to happen. This anointing that's coming on you, the spirit of the Lord is coming on you and you're about to be somebody else. You're about to be turned into somebody else.